Ladies and gentlemen, here we are for another episode of Libations for Everyone. I am so excited to say that we are recording this live in the resurrected and oh, so beautiful, brand new, largely taller Palmer's Bar. Uh, my name is Ben Kwam. I am one of the co-hosts sitting next to me at a very wonderful socially distanced amount of space is our other co-host, Mr. Charles Wad. Hey, buddy. <laughs> I can I can tell you Quam is excited because our first shot, which is supposed to be one ounce, is like three and a half ounces. <laughs> Listen, I am as good at pouring small amounts of booze as I am at being on time. So anybody that actually knows me knows how false both of those are. I think we both sort of applied that rule because we have those baby shot glasses so we can't fuck it up. I'm not from Wisconsin. I don't know how to do the little thimble shots. I'm used to like two ounces unless I know you, and then it's like four and a half to five ounces. <laughs> Maybe that's why so much of it ended up on the coffee table at my office for the last episode. Listen, was because we were overpouring. But it's that a one, that was for the homies. That was, that, was, that was for those of us that couldn't be on the podcast. If it was sake, it'd be good luck. <laughs> exactly. That's it. We're just trying to spread good luck. Uh, obviously, sitting here at Palmer's, there can only be one person that we would be interviewing. The man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Tony Zaccardi. Say hello. Hi, Ben. Hi, Charles. Thanks for having me. Hey, buddy. Uh, what's going on? What's new with you? Uh, let's talk a little bit about what's up here. <laughs> just for the last four months, uh, just kind of not do No. We, uh, I decided about two months ago completely tear my bar apart because why the heck not um so no i've, I've just spent i resurrected as much of the ceiling as i could um part of it it, it couldn't be because when they cut the building off in 1974 they went lower than the, the inside ceiling uh the tin tin lines all gone uh but we spent by we i mean people far more skilled than me <laughs> uh redoing the bathrooms brought those up to the original ceiling height and then the bar itself the, the Ted from the Acadia called it the Sistine on Cedar, which is a bit of a stretch, but it's pretty amazing. That's pretty legit. Uh, I like that. The last time that I was here when we were talking about it, you said that this for sure had not been seen by anybody since at least, what was it? Very, it, it, 1959 is the last time somebody for sure knows that there was already all the tile up here. That is absolutely. That's wild. Yeah. It's so crazy in like, here. Look at that. That's super it cool. It didn't look like that when Ben tore down the ceiling. <laughs> yeah, uh, Tony decided to bring in uh, Godzilla, and I just walked around on the bar top, smashing say, out tiles with my hands. King Kong. Did. We could have done that tonight. I could have been King Kong, and you could have been Godzilla. On my birthday, <laughs> at which we had a party at 1 o'clock down here with a few friends, um, and at 10 o'clock, we were tearing down the ceiling, and each little 12 by 12 ceiling tile held about a pound of lead paint and two inches of 70-year-old dust. Oh, uh, so we made another it. reason to wear masks. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was pretty brutal. It's amazing. Uh, so we're going to get into this in just a second, but to everybody that's tuning in right now, if this is your first time listening, uh, basically our idea is we're trying to give you a podcast that's just like hanging out at the bar, having a fun time with your friends, just bullshitting. We're going to start with a shot, and then every 10 minutes we're going to have another shot uh, and basically, we'll change the topic every time that we have a shot. Basically, it's us sipping shots and sharing thoughts. That's right. We like to say it's an it's a conversation, not an interview. I almost got that backwards. No, you you nailed it. I, I saw you looking at me though. You're like, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. I came up <laughs> with this. What did I say? What I'm just it? impressed. <laughs> I didn't lose the tongue twister because I screw up. Yeah, you have, shipping uh, thoughts and sh- I screw it up. It's a all nice the time. baseline so they can hear us when we haven't had anything to drink <laughs> there you and go. measure that against what we sound like later. So. Uh, 
Here we go, folks. This is another episode of Libations for Everybody. Cheers to you all. Let's have a shot, and let's start this baby off. Uh, Mr. Zaccardi, what did you choose for the spirit today? I choose LaRue. Polish blackberry brandy. Mm, mm, if it mm. actually is blackberry flavored brandy, <laughs> something like. We're that. not sure if it's blackberry. <laughs> we're not sure if it's brandy, but here we are. It's something. Skull. Yeah, All that right. was a solid three and a half ounces. Right oh there. yeah, that was definitely not a one ounce <laughs> pour. Whoops. So we want to kick it off this way. Uh, obviously, a lot of people know you from the bar scene. Uh, I actually first fell in love with you as a musician. And as an incredible bass player, you kind of provide a portion of the rhythm section to the band. When you're behind a bar, do you see yourself as the same way? Are you the rhythm of the bar, or are you more of a lead singer or a lead guitarist? Are you a drummer? What do you see yourself as in a music form when you're behind the bar at your bar? That's interesting. I think um, I'm not going to say lead singer because I think that's – I think a bartender's job – just keep it moving, and that's where I think rhythm. I'm in the rhythm section. You keep you know, walking up and down the bar, going, "You're good, you're good, it's cool." I'm not trying to. Inter- you know, I'm not the bartender that's trying to jump in everybody's conversations and upsell and blah 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 blah. I just want to make sure if you're sitting at my bar, I want you to be having a good time and comfortable and feel good and happy. And so I think that's where the rhythm. So I, th- I feel like I am a bass player, and that I've been playing bass for 30, 30 years, bartender for twenty plus years. I feel that role suits me just fine. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, a minor player in the whole. And the whole the whole show of your night out at the bar. But know? hold on though, but can you say that the bass player is ever a minor player in the band? Because without that rhythm, everything time. else falls apart. In private, bass players are the star of the show. <laughs> I'm not a, but I'm not a dick. So I think overall I'm just a guy in the background. No, yeah. <laughs> in private, it's my band. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, like, if if the same question were posed to me, I would be a vocalist, which I used to be in death metal bands, but my position is that I serve drinks at home, and usually I have guests over where I'm trying to make them try this this bourbon they've never had before, or this lambic from from Belgium, or or you know just trying to turn them on to new things, make them a cocktail. I know Quam's the same way. Quam, do you think like when you're serving drinks at home, you're a DJ? Do you uh, feel like it's relative? Yeah, so I kind of do. I I was actually going to say if I had to be in a band, that I'd be a drummer, because to me when I'm actually bartending for work, not hanging out at home making drinks, when I'm bartending at work, my desire is to always find a rhythm. Like what I loved about being in the service well was A, nobody can talk to me. Love that. But B, you could find your own swing at what you were doing. You know, I would look at three or four tickets and I would be like, okay, I can hit these seven tap beers. And to me, it was the rhythm of pouring those tap beers that kind of worked for me. At home, it's 100% DJing. Like, the way that I try and set up a mood when I'm DJing and playing music is the same thing that I'm doing at home. Like, I'll try and figure out a cocktail that can go with whatever food that we're serving and sort of just kind of make everybody have a good time. Because to me, it's the undercurrent. Like, people don't realize. If you're a really good DJ, people don't even realize what you're doing. But you're telling a story as you go. And that was why I thought of, of the rhythm section kind of behind a bar. Because I didn't realize how much I loved you behind a bar until I didn't get to see you behind a bar. And it was no knock on anybody else that filled in those, those shoes. But it was, I didn't realize how much that, that rhythm I was missing. And you just made me realize that I really miss it. I'm about <laughs> to start crying now. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I love being behind the bar because I, I felt like I was 
I tried to be exactly the bartender that um, you wanted. If you wanted a guy that would jump right in and tell you the jokes, I'm not good at remembering jokes, but I could try. And but but I, I, w- I would tell you about the neighborhood. I would answer it's just a few dumb bullet points. I didn't know about sports, but you knew a couple bullet points to talk to about people. It's just enough to like make somebody feel comfortable and cool. Good, that's enough. That's enough. Good, good. I'm just gonna keep moving on, walking down the line. It's the, the mark of a classic barman. Yeah, no one, no, no. The pliability. Pliability, exactly. For sure. And and I'm kind of a, in, in Northeast, 20 years ago, somebody like me behind behind the bar in Northeast was like, what? What the? <laughs> you know. But by me being able to just like shoot the shit with these, you know, the, you know, the old Polish fuckers who I love. I'm a, I'm a Polish person myself. Um, it, you know, it was just fun. It was a great easy in. Not that I felt like that I needed to get in with them, whatever. But just so you learn how to talk to that kind of person. You learn how to talk to that kind of person. And that's right. Again, just the rhythm of it. Just like cool. Yeah, we're good. I'm just keep on walking down the bar. To and contrast I'm, that, I felt a greater sense of comfort going to Grumpy's when you were there because. I'm a person of color as right, well, right. so it was always cool as hell. Like I knew I'd see you in there, and and yeah, t- Tony definitely knows his guests and has seen me hundreds of times. But even tonight, we we're drinking hams, and he remarked, "Do you want something on tap instead?" I don't know if I have any stouts, and I was like, "No, nah, man, I'll drink hams." First you haven't like, served me a beer for a while, but well, well, like now I'll drink a, but a lager. Eight, eight years ago, or yeah. some some odd years ago, uh, we had something with some kind of you know what a bourbon county or some kind of stout on tap, and I served it to you in a, in a tulip glass. And you're so pissed. You're like, oh, I just hate these glasses. So at the time, you were just so pissed that it was in a chalice. It was like, it's nine percent, dude. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't remember what that was, but I could see that. Hey, occasionally <laughs> you'd give me something like thirteen percent and a full pint, and no, I'd be like, was, well, all right, I'm walking home. Yeah, so. was, was, maybe that was because of you. But at the one time, you were just like, I don't want a goddamn chalice. But, then, you know. but I, I, I do have a thing for remembering. I had a woman walk in the bar, and I'm, oh, summit. She goes, what? Like, I haven't been here in eight years. I live in Florida. That's like, amazing. <laughs> you know, so that was one thing I rem- remember about about people. I remember the Charles. Sometimes, you know, I was in craft beer, but I know I think I remember you love stuff. You know, you know, even though yeah, I haven't served you beer in probably well at least two, three years at this point. I will straight up tell you, I the minute you tell me your name, I will immediately forget it. But if you right. if I served you at the bar, I will remember a discussion that we had. I'll remember what drink you had. Holy hell, can I not remember that your name is yep. Kelly or Trevor or whatever? With like, a credit card, that's how I learned people's names. Yeah, exactly. So, I, okay, you know, Elizabeth Smith, got it, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's consequential memory, you know. Like, I always remember names I know I need to remember, but I never remember names. Like, I used to remember every name, but then at some point my brain programmed itself to learn, like, to commit to memory only the names that I knew I was going to have to recall in the future. So I can still remember people's names if I'm like, okay, this is a potential client. I remember their name. For but sure. if it's like some guy that I elbow up to at the bar and I ask him what they're drinking, and hey, I'm Steve, like six seconds later, I've never heard the name Steve. <laughs> I, I have a friend who's really good. It pulls off the phone instantly. Just kind of nonchalant as you're talking. So, oh, yeah, nice, Mike, nice to meet you. Grabs the phone like Mike from Brewery 5, whatever. Like, makes a note. He just makes a note. Mentally. Done. And Smart. I, I, can, I do not have that skill. Yeah, you know, I, I meet so many people all the time. You know, being in bands, in the bar at Grumpy's, and I hear. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. Can, can, can we dial back though? Did you have a thing with glassware? Was that no? I mean, I, I do love stem yeah, glassware. Mean, I hate them now. Actually, I like I prefer like a a stemless wine glass for all beverages now, or like a mason jar. I'm guessing I was drunk and I wanted him to give me more bourbon comedy. I think that's probably what it was. Because I mean, clearly Charles understands beer. He knows. Yeah. He's a food person, so he knows a glass to go with, you know, you know when, when, when it's time to use a coupe for a cocktail versus a da-da-da. I don't. 
But I understand that high-gravity beers should probably be served in a 10- or 12-ounce chalice versus a pint. And, For uh, sure. And uh, so I, I was, it was maybe weird. You probably were drunk. That was I was probably no, a little I, lit up, and I was – you maybe give me my last one and, like, uh, <laughs> a shaker, and I was like, hell, yeah, it's Oni. <laughs> That's my guy. And I then was, I walked up, and I was like, what's this shit? <laughs> on that note, I walked into Main Slacks once with Pat Dwyer. This is, I bet you, 1999. Shout out to Pat, by the way. Uh, I like that guy kind of a bit. He's, uh, he's amazing. I'm kind of sweet on him. We've brought him up in two or three episodes. He's going to have to come on someday. <laughs> Good luck. I, <laughs> I can barely get him to come down to Palmer. Yeah. No, no. Um, no I, God bless him. I, uh, I, I, I walked into Maze Lights with him, and uh, a friend of ours was playing a show there. They had cool original band, like local music, for like a minute. Like, <laughs> yeah, I remember. Country-style shows. And so we went in there, and he orders. Uh, it was me and him and, and Don Miller from Ear Candy. She works at Gruppies and da-da-da. Old friend of She's Disney awesome. Yeah. And we walked in, and he, he can I get a Guinness? Because back then, all Pat drank was Guinness. And they served him a pint of Guinness in a, I'm sorry, a 12-ounce Miller Lite. <laughs> no, it might have been a 16. It might have been a 16 because it was a Miller Lite cup. In a plastic <laughs> Miller Lite cup. And he, he literally, he, the look on his face, it was like somebody just, just beat up four of his children. He doesn't have any kids. But so, so I could use that analogy. <laughs> But it was that kind of look, like, hey, I just punched your wife in the face. Oh, I can and picture it. The look on his face, it was like the most hurtful thing that had ever happened to Pat was somebody served him a pint of Guinness and a 16-ounce oh, classic Miller Lite glass. That is classic. He couldn't even he didn't understand what was happening. I used to get I, pictures of Guinness there on wing night because oh, it was yeah. seven bucks. For a my, pitcher? Yeah, my friends would be like, you're not going to drink all that. I'm like, dude, it's not, it's not as dark as it looks. You may... It's not a lunch in a in a glass. It's, it's closer to Bud Light yeah. when it comes Dude, to actually. Dark. Seven bucks oh, yeah. for a fucking pitcher. Well, <laughs> it's he, wild. He worked at Freewheel Bike across the parking lot here from Palmer's, and he said in, in the in nineteen in the late mid to late eighties. I'm sorry, uh, late nineties when he was in college. <laughs> in the mid to late eighties when he was working at Freewheel, he would come over here at, at Palmer's, and they served all their beers came in a, a big giant uh, chalice like a goblet. Yeah. And so he'd come and get he, his lunch every day. Was two goblets of Guinness and a banana that he brought over. He over here in the I, CD heyday era. Of that's home. a healthy lunch. I had uh, I had one of those goblets in my uh, like bar glass cabinet, and in the same week I broke my last uptown bar glass and my last goblet from here. Wow! And it I just literally I just sat down on the ground and I, I almost cried because. Do we know All when of those the got history. retired? Is What's that? that? Have those not been around for a long nope. time? I've never, I've seen, never one. seen one. It was, uh, it was a t-shirt of them. It was passed down to me from a friend of mine that I knew from rugby at St. John's. Wow. And it was just, it was like. Which is where Pat went to college. Yeah, well, we've, we've had that discussion. Oh, okay, <laughs> we got to find one for you. Pat, Pat, Pat. Tony, Pat, we got to find Pat, you. Pat. We have to. You everybody have out one. there, if it's you have. Pursue. What was the jacket you were looking for for forever? Oh, Christ. You got it Polish like three, Palace. four years ago. Polish Palace jacket. Oh, that's right, yeah. dude. Oh, yeah, we, we got to get you one of those goblets. Palmer's. I have plenty of uptown glasses, by the way. Oh that's shit, it worked. It actually worked. The, the ten minute alarm has just gone. And off. I didn't, I didn't get in trouble for playing the the siren of the police. It's not a doorbell or a police siren. Yeah, to scare the shit I'm out. So of I'm so proud of you, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna pour some more Polish. You guys are gonna make me look like a. Hey, you do what you want. Yeah, my, I have less than three ounces. He's got. <laughs> I got probably a solid two, two and a half. Yeah, that's two inches. <laughs> Charles went yeah, into a, Charles put his into a pint Even glass. That's two. Wow. Save some Polish. Charles is drinking a pint of blackberry brandy. I did. Does Marty know this? <laughs> wow, is that Cheers, guys. Right, Slancha. Here we go. Great. Yeah. 
All right, Charles, I this believe you're up. It's the XL edition. Woo! It's the XL edition. There it is. Oh, there we go. <laughs> man down. Man down. Ayo, wrong tube. Let's buy some time for the man. Turns out Blackberry is great if you drink it, not great if you inhale it. I'm ready. Let's go. You, you alive? You here with us? <coughs> It's cool. We'll cut out a couple seconds. <laughs> Who would have thought episode four was when we actually murdered somebody? <laughs> yeah, shit. Now, <clears throat> all right. Give me credit. I've been drinking blackberry in a different glass. All On blackberry, yeah. correct. Double blackberry. It's all the, the way. Blackberry experience. All right, I'm back. I'm ready to go. All right, Tony. What's a thing that is almost universally loved by people that you personally hate? <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready? Let's do yeah, it. Yeah, I'm very ready. What's the movie? The dude abides. The White Russians. Uh, the uh, Big oh, Lebowski. Lebowski. Yes, that exactly. That is something that I hate. Wow. A White Russian. No, no, I'm fine with White Russian. Oh, there's liquor in that. The 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 movie. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, just, that's amazing. See exactly. You're the first person I've ever met that hates that movie. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I I, I resisted <coughs> for so long, dude. It's the best movie of all time. Can I get a? Can I get a? Whatever the fuck, the, whatever it's called, the drink. I'd have to make it. White Russian, yeah, just, well, just Caucasian. The, movie. Yeah, coca- yeah, the like Caucasian. Caucasian. Oh, yeah. You'll sure. get four Caucasian. $28. Great. <laughs> oh, and it'd have, BLB would have a. Yeah. I've I, I, I wa- hearing about it for fucking 10 years. And uh, I, I, I finally, I, my daughter was young. She was one and a half or one or little or that. So I had time during the day. So I threw it on and I watched the whole movie. Could you not with a deadpan on my face? <coughs> and uh, I would say, no, you just got to watch it like four more times. Then it gets funny. I'm like, <laughs> the people said, no, it's, it's still, to this day, when you have it, oh, you just got to watch it a bunch. I mean, you know, it, maybe that's true. Maybe if I watch it today, I would think it was a great, I would think it's as good as a Breakfast Club. But I doubt it. Because that's my favorite movie of all time. I will tell you, all right, so I am the only. Like a please, bro, me. I just want to say that. <laughs> Please, bro, just watch it, bro. Hey, man, come on, bro. Do you want, do you want Caucasians, bro. You just got to hear my poetry. <laughs> Wait a minute. So some hipster-ass white kids were at Grumpy's telling you that you need to watch a movie that involves ordering Caucasians over and over and over again. Wait, yeah, what? It's like 14 years. No. So when that movie was getting ready to come out, they put out the original poster, which was Jeff Bridges and uh, John Goodman yeah. on either side, and then it was like the bowling shit in the middle. And uh, Jeff Bridges was wearing the Pendleton sweater. My dad already owned that sweater. I've seen, I think I've seen that photo of you wearing yeah. that sweater. So my dad was like, hey, we need to go to this movie because uh, we need to go to this movie because I, he's wearing my shit. So let's go. So we went. And it's not an over-the-top funny movie. It's a really cool, absurd movie. And I, I love it to death. Yep. But it was wild as he walked out. People were like, hey, man, where'd you get that sweater? And he's like, Pendleton. I've, I've had it for years. I, I literally, the, the picture that you saw, I had to buy him a new one because it was so threadbare that he had to get a new sweater. But as, as people, like, blew it up and made it bigger and bigger and bigger, you still have to remind people, it was in the theaters for seven weeks total. Yeah. It was a complete failure. Yep. But... As people started watching it, and basically, if you smoke a bunch of pot or if you drink a bunch and you watch it, it's great. See, I don't smoke. I don't smoke weed, and so that might be my, my problem. And, and please don't get me wrong. Like I, I love Jeff Bridges. Mm-hmm. I love John Goodman. 
I love. I don't remember who that was. Was that a Coen Brothers movie? Maybe not. Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, whatever. I like. I mean, everything about it is right. Am I crazy? I, th- I feel like it is. Anyway, I go ahead. But I mean, all of the we got some Buscemi in there. Yeah, I love Buscemi. Quite stiff. Yes, it's Buscemi. Mm-hmm. All of the things, just I didn't get it. And and I have a fucked up, crazy sense of humor. I I I, I have an off the cuff or you know, I like subversive humor. I like things that are not appropriate or whatever. Um, but I just maybe it's the time in my life or whatever. I, just, I watched a deadpan and didn't get it. Everything about it. Like I said, a friend of mine played music with Jeff Bridges for a few shows when he was doing a little music thing. And he said he was kick-ass. He got to go to his ranch in California. So he was a badass dude. All that. So I get it. I just somehow, for some reason, I've only seen it once. I probably didn't want to like it mm-hmm. because it's so... It's like, dude, X-Files. I've also never seen X-Files. <laughs> or Neither have I. Godfather, Godfather I really want to see. I just haven't. Okay, Godfather, I have seen Star Wars. Oh, all of I should have said Star Wars. Fuck, fuck the Big Lebowski. Oh, okay, Star Wars. that's more. Yeah, that oh, covers more ground. Yeah, I've, also, I've I've seen parts of the original one mm. and parts of like the first new one that came out a little while ago or twenty years ago. <laughs> a little while ago. <laughs> whatever, Jar Jar. Whatever. When you got out of Mazax with Pat in yeah. '99. <laughs> yeah, that, I've never seen all. Of, I've never seen it. Uh, can I? Can I be super irreverent and back you on the Star Wars thing? I, I grew up a Star Wars 100% acolyte. I was uh, an apostle of the church. I was all about everything Star Wars. Now, as I'm older, looking back on it, Star Wars to me is only the first two Beatles albums. It's only really two and a half to three minute pop songs with a really catchy hook, which will get everybody involved, and you can sing along, and you can say na 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 na. As soon as the Beatles got interesting, Star Wars gone. Oh, so like they never. Roses, for destruction, thighs. Yep, and, and then done. And then all they did was go back and make rehashes of all of those pop songs. It was like it would be Wait, like. So are you talking about the the original trilogy, or are you talking? About I'm talking the- about the original trilogy was the first two albums for the Beatles. It's really catchy, really fun pop, but then when you're supposed I mean, yeah, to change science fiction film, but <laughs> but then when you're well, when pretty, you're trying to catchy. like that's pretty catchy. When you're trying to do more edgy things and you're mm-hmm. trying to figure out and you're trying to grow more, the Star Wars franchise did the opposite. The after the, the original yep, trilogy, yep the the episodes one, two, and three that came out. Position. We're not going to get too deep into this because then we're going to turn this into a Star Wars conversation. <laughs> I've had this conversation seven thousand. Oh, times. I bet. Yeah. No, but I, I I really think that it was it's easier to just manufacture the same chicken McNugget and okay. give it to people than it is to try and like say okay we started with chicken McNuggets but now we're going to do uh, a spatchcock chicken on the grill and now we're going to do this. It's it, you can to say me, perhaps that it worked so well, like that it worked too well. Yeah. That's it, fair to say. It just became repeatable. And sure. then all we ended up doing was kind of having that like. And they just kept pumping out the same thing. Let me let me screech the record here. What is your answer for a thing that is mostly loved? Ranch dressing. The fuck out of here. I am a giant, fat, white man. I had this conversation (laughs) yesterday. Ranch dressing is disgusting. I hate ranch. Do we all hate ranch? Yes. Then that's a terrible answer. You know that Nate and I, you know that Nate and myself, Nathan Beck of Nate Dogs, Mm -hmm. we call throwing up ranching. That (laughs) is amazing. (laughs) And I love that. And we call people who. I ranched the Polish. Yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. Almost, so let me let me go a step further. Then I'll try okay. and be a little bit more controversial. 
Uh, I hate people that try and tell me what condiments are okay and are not okay on a sausage. Okay. I love I love mustard. Yeah. I don't give a fuck about French's yellow. I think French's yellow is no, one of the most really disgusting things I've ever had. I'm I'm cool with ketchup. Yes, me too. I'm sometimes Wait, not. What, though? I, I, I don't need to put, put I don't need to put ketchup That's on everything. Too. But I love the sweetness of ketchup with the tart sourness of sauerkraut. I think that's a better. So you put it on a sausage? I have. Absolutely. Nate and I also call people who love ketchup choppers. True. But like his hot dogs, he doesn't doesn't present ketchup. Oh, I know. B-Y-O-K, man. You want ketchup? Bring some fucking packets in your purse. Okay, I was having a ketchup. Yeah. How about restaurants? I mean, if I want ketchup for like my french fries at your gastropub. I want fucking Heinz 57. I don't want yeah, your yeah. beet house-made no, fucking... No, that's over. That, is that, it over? That game is over. Some people still do that shit, but it got hot for about 10 minutes, and then it was ketchup? like, oh, my God. Dude, you I can't replicate... You. Here's the no. thing. I think ketchup is wonderful. I just don't put it on a lot of shit. No. Like, you can't replicate ketchup. Yeah. It's, it's just like all sugar. It's, it's, okay. it is. it's 90% sugar, 90% salt... And 5% tomato. Yep. <laughs> I'm not a mathematician, but that's what ketchup no, yeah, is. <laughs> that's how it works. Yeah, no, works. I put it on russets. I'll put yeah. it on yep. fries. A hot, like salty French fries. fry? Like a fry's already fried in oil. It's already fatty. I don't want to dip that motherfucker in mayo. No. But I will, I will use ketchup on fries, right. and I'll use them on hash browns, and I'll use them on homestyle fried potatoes. Yeah. That's it for yeah. me. And that's, well, so that's kind of what I'm saying is, so if you have a crunchy salty thing that was fried in oil and then you dip it in something that is sweet with a hint of vinegar mm. to me those flavor lines line up that's right when i i would i would never have a brat with just ketchup but with sauerkraut i like a line of ketchup not crazy but just a quick little line alarm i enjoy that because to me you're building up different tastes together and it just makes your your mouth water more fair but let me let me get my answer in real quick. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's going to be easy because I fucking hate water sports. I'm a good swimmer. Charles doesn't like people peeing on him, is yeah, what he's that, saying. Well, that's you. Not just the Trumpian version. I'm just saying, like, I don't understand why people love bodies of water so much. Uh, it's not for me. I'm a good swimmer. But, you know, like, people go to the beach in, like, tropical destinations, and they'll sit on the beach for hours just fucking baking. And I don't get it. Give me a hookah. In a, in a cooler full of Almaza on ice on the Mediterranean, and I'm chilling. Oh, but yeah, if I'm literally just sitting there with my shirt off. Well, I can relate to that 100%. Let's go. That's right, dude. <laughs> <laughs> something, something. Set a fire on the beach, that kind of shit. I'm into that. But, like, people just love. Why do adults love splashing around in water? I love the. I don't get it. Obviously, we already had the timer go off, but I want to just interject. I love the idea of, like, giant waves, all that shit. I'm there for that. I'm there for basically, like, basically parkour if the ground is water where I can fall through it. I will do all of the insane shit. I'll jump off a 30- or 40-foot cliff. I love the idea that I can do a thing that normally would murder me. Bro, but that's like an NFL game. That's like 11 total seconds out of your Uh day. That's it. Whereas, and then I go like, back. Some people, they're just like, the they, they nope. get ready for hours, and then they go to the beach, and then they walk into the water very casually, and then they just like wave their arms mm. a little bit and just stand there, no. get some TikToks recorded. Uh, I actually stand there. I actually said this sentence earlier today. Wade 
is not a name for a human being. Wade is something that you do in a body of water that you don't like. I don't understand people that wade into anything. By the way, I'm with you, Charles. My, my understanding is I agree with you fully. I know bodies. Hell yeah, let's go. Give a shit. All right. I thought that was the most divisive one, but no. I guess <laughs> some people do agree with me. me. All right. Well, here we are. It's time for another shot. Oh, good. It is time for another <laughs> shot. Mine's going to take about 12 minutes to drink. Well, you can take some of it. <laughs> I love Tony for pouring at least three and a half ounces. Yeah, I, I Dude, Tony's already done more than the six ounces we're supposed to do. <laughs> so just the fact that he ices a little bit. <laughs> Tony's trying to outdo every the guest we've ever had. <laughs> All right. Topic three. He got it anyways, just for the is, record. Tony, is there anything on earth that will always make you laugh? Is there anything that, like, no matter what, no matter how angry you are or how shitty of a day you've had, is there anything on earth where you're like, I'm done the minute that I see this happen? Like, give, give him yours maybe to, like, All right, so <laughs> probably top five hardest I've ever laughed in my life was uh, I was with a friend of mine, overseas we were in france at the time and her boyfriend was with and him and i did not know each other very well and she went into a store and i get really weird in like super pricey like high antique stores i'm a giant and i really don't even want to walk in because i'm afraid i'm going to break everything so i hung out outside well in a china shop yeah Yeah. basically yeah or just like a heifer in a china shop i'm not a bull (laughs) Uh, but her boyfriend, Jens, was like, I don't really have anything to do in there. So him and I were hanging out together, sitting there, and this woman walked by. She had four shopping bags. She was walking past us, completely even sidewalk, and maybe two steps past us, she just face-planted. Yard sailed. All four bags went flying. She hit the ground 100% down, got up, grabbed her bags, looked back at us, and just kind of took off at at least double, if not triple speed. As soon as she got out of view, she was fine. She wasn't bleeding, like whatever. As soon as she got out of view, me and this guy who I had met two hours earlier yeah. laughed so hard we were crying. Oh. I couldn't breathe. I could. The idea of somebody just falling for no reason yeah, yeah, yeah. is the funniest fucking thing ever. As long as they're not like seriously so hurt. But this, yeah. I'm I'm 100 percent an asshole. Well, I'm just, I just wanted to say it's like not instance focused. It's more like thematically. Ben thinks it's fucking hilarious when people fall over, which I think everyone thinks is funny. But like for some people, it's like over the top. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't breathe. I literally couldn't breathe. Well, what's and the, what's the movie? There, there's a surly beer about is it misanthropic? No, what's it called? There, I know there's a surly beer to laugh at other people's. Uh, 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 um, it's the German word. Um, yeah, you brought it up. Schadenfreude. 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 Yep. Yeah, you brought it up uh, the last episode, yep. actually. Tur- turns out when you drink a bunch of Polish and you haven't eaten lunch or dinner. You ever see, uh, you, you ever see anything like that tests a man's masculinity more than watching them fall over on ice? Oh, and my like, God. When a dude falls over on ice and you saw them do the whole thing, they stand up and they're like, they look at the ice like the, the ice fucked up. They're yeah. like, no, I'm good. The fuck? <laughs> like, but, but the best part is when they fall, they look like Bambi. Like, oh, yeah. it's yeah. all yeah. knees going you in. You never look dumber, well, but you act like tough as shit, right? About two years ago, there was some shit going on on Facebook where it was like a guy shoveling his driveway, and he slips, and it's like a 10-minute fucking... Back and oh, forth. It's so fall. great. I can't tell if it's real. It still I, looks knows? like, dude, he's really... That's quite the performance. It's more impressive if it's fake. That can't be the real. No. Can no. It? To answer your question, I think for me, I, it's going to sound stupid. It's cliche. 
Okay. But fuck do I love Family Guy. <laughs> no matter what. Okay, so Family Guy always kills you. It kills me. And now that I have the, the pinball <laughs> machine here, if you press the left flipper right now, I think it makes a fart noise. I want to do it. Yeah, let's try it out. I think it does. I got the I will, too. Oh. Oh. Uh, no, either same. way, that's yeah. awesome. Oh, more than one player. Ooh. There it is. <laughs> I don't know if it picked up, but. It's <laughs> but in two players, or more than one player. Mm, it's Quagmire. More than one player. Yeah, no, that's yeah there's, a, there's a family guy pinball machine here at Palmer's. I am a. I, I, I've just started rewatching as much. Because I've. Uh, I remember my friend Dave Matters, who was in a band called Kentucky Gag Order, Book of Right On, some other bands you would know, Cohorts years ago. Um, he, I remember sitting at Patio Grumby's downtown, this brand new show, Family Guy, came in the air, and he's like, fuck the Simpsons. I'm like, oh, that's fighting words. I love the Simpsons. He's like, Simpsons, da 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 da. Family Guy. And so I'm like, what are you talking about, you jerk? With, in other words, and that I used in a. But man, I, I, I go back and I'm just watch, still, every, I watch, if I watch. Two episodes that are all at least at some point I'm beyond shocked. Even now, like who's it? They, they did that, yeah. you know. When it was new, is a revelation. To like, live and die in Dixie, I think is season two of Family Guy might be the funniest episode of any animated show of all time. Like that episode murders me every single time. I uh, I was the guy. So I was in college when Family Guy came out, okay. and I recorded all the episodes. And then it got pulled, yeah. and then it was gone. Right, and canceled, which is that wild. VHS tape got me literally free cups at parties for an entire year in college. <laughs> yeah. I just bring it with. I'm like, y'all want some Family Guy? And they were like, yep. <laughs> and the the moment that got me that will forever kill Black me. Black market family. Yeah, <laughs> Black market family guy. There was a there was an episode where Lois starts working for an airline, so Peter can just fly anywhere, yeah. and he and he goes to Australia, and he's like. Yeah, it was like when I went to Australia. And he walks up, and there's just an alligator in the middle of the road. And he just starts poking it in the eye with a stick. And he's like, hey, you got some, you got some dry skin, huh? Probably should put some lotion on your skin, huh? And he just keeps poking it in the eye. And then you hear off camera, you just hear, and a koala just hits him in the face. And he goes, ah, ah, ah. I honestly almost vomited. I was laughing so hard at that bit. And to this day... That would be 100% on the top of my list. When you were talking about he's going to pee that, he's in a different country. When, when they go to Canada for uh, prescriptions, so in the Simpsons, they go to Canada for prescription drugs, cheaper drugs, and they're coming back across the border, and they got some coffee, and they hand Apu um, uh, the hot coffee. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Want a sip? And the chances are they're passing through the border crossing. Apu's like, I don't He's got the turban on, you know, and, and, and so they instantly pull over and arrest him. I still, to me, that's one of my most favorite oh, cartoon Java movies. But I love, I love just going back and laughing. I love just dumb shit that brings me back to my childhood. Um, I love, I love Woody Woodpecker was my favorite cartoon <laughs> on the planet when I was a kid. Um, but Family Guy is a good release for me. I just go back and watch dumb shit and just laugh my ass off. I could, I could have seen the episode five times, and then also Shapoopy, Shapoopy, like instantly, boom, I'm fucking, it's a good answer. I dig it. What, what, what's your, what's your, like, no matter what, I'll laugh at it. Because you are one of the more stoic human beings that I know. Yeah. The idea you know of you like laughing laugh. so hard you're crying is no, like, you know, sang you know in a metal band. Oh, 
You for sure laugh. I just I've never seen you where you couldn't keep yourself together. Oh yeah. Well, it does happen. The thing. Okay, so the thing probably <laughs> historically for me is uh, a wrestling bloopers. So there's like a in, there's a couple Instagram pages. One of them's called WrestleBotch. It harkens back to our youth. Like JP and I uh, had this. We tape a lot of wrestling and watch. JP is your brother. Yep, my little brother JP Awad. Uh, he and I would watch tons of wrestling, and our older brother Tony. But we had this tape where we taped WCW and Harley Race, legendary wrestler. He had this instance where he was a manager of Lex Luger in WCW. This is in the early '90s, and maybe late '80s. And he was like walking the apron, and he fell off, and it was the funniest shit ever. <laughs> However, JP, dude, JP lost his fucking mind. <laughs> He, that tape, dude, he watched that tape so many times in our family room that it was worn. Like, when he played it, like, the tape it was get all fuzzy. Like, the fucking ring. Like, he was so, he was so obsessed with that clip. I'd come down in the morning, just seeing him there with a bowl of cereal. He's fucking dying. Like, tears falling into the fucking milk. So, based on that now, there's these pages that are collecting, like, old tape. One of the things that brings me great joy on Mondays, it's Mongo Mondays. It's a... Uh, uh, Steve Mongo McMichael, who was in the Four Horsemen. In <laughs> Absolutely, Spikley, I remember him. One of the worst fucking wrestlers of all time. This guy was a nightmare. <laughs> was like, no super unsafe, too. Yeah. You watch these clips, and you're like, I can't believe nobody died. He was like an alley brawler that they were like, oh, you're they in the... Didn't, yeah, they never gave him proper training, and he was just, like, flailing around the ring. He looked like such a... He looked like a... Uh, the Rock in a movie where his daughter's taking ballerina classes <laughs> and he tries to like do ballet with her and just like shatters all the mirrors. That's how he looked like his whole <laughs> wrestling career. So Mongo Mondays, hashtag Mongo Mondays. That's amazing. Brandon, no, anyways. I know there's a wrestling. I, all I'm trying to say is I met Carrie Von Eric. I, I never got to tell you that. Fucking right. That's carry, awesome. Like, a car yeah. show in like 1985. <laughs> Fucking carry Von Erich. That's, that's, that's awesome. I loved wrestling as a kid. Yeah, the Von Erichs are legendary. Yeah. All right. Wearing a wrestling yeah. shirt right now. Pass that, pass that glass or let I'm me gonna, pass the bottle. I'm going to start measuring out here because. Because <laughs> you can't trust me. No, because we're not even going to have enough for all of us at this rate because we're halfway through the bottle. So yeah. We're you do have bar. another. Bottle. That's the best we're part. We called Poland. I have all of the other bottles. All right. Yeah. That seems about right. There we go. Uh, <laughs> this is good. Yeah, this is are. this is kind of in the original spirit of the show. Yeah, before we realize we're gonna get weird. We can't drink like this with everybody. No, but we kind of looked at each other like shit. But with this fucking Tony Zaccardi, I'm sorry. Over. This there is no there is no guest I would rather drink out of control <laughs> with than you, sir. Uh, all right. Back bar to work through. <laughs> so we, we yeah, Let's we got all we, the spirits. Yeah, what are we on? So this all is right. shot number four. So uh, skull and cheers and come by and all of the above. And, okay, uh, gun. Hagen does. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. That's easy to drink, though, I'll tell you that. So for a long time, we worked in bars. For a long time, we did our thing. Bars. You own a bar now. Which is, which is on paper, some pretty adult shit. But I think part of the reason that I've always loved this industry was that it gives you like a really elongated childhood. Like you can just kind of keep fucking around and having a good time and it doesn't really matter. When was the first time that you felt like you were actually on some adult shit in this career path? Oh, 
a solid answer. About a month and a half ago, when I watched the replay of my C, no, C, C, CNBC interview, C, CNN yeah. was saying, but the next day I was on CNBC. It's like me and I'm on the squawk box. And it said, I was just telling somebody the other day, it flashed on the screen Tony Zaccardi, business owners, Palmer's Bar in Minneapolis. And, uh, and and that to me was like, oh fuck, this is real. <laughs> like, I mean, all, all of the shit that was going on with the news when I was on all the ultra media stuff. But just seeing that on the split screen with me being interviewed by the guy, and then there's a fucking, I got the Hams Bear in the background, which is right behind Charles, and there's a fucking the graphic that says Tony Zaccardi, business owner. Like, like I've been doing this, and I, you know, I'd done it for just two years. And uh, and then suddenly, like being thrust into that spotlight and seeing that, and going, like, anyone that's watching CNBC right now or CNN is seeing my name, my bar name, a business owner. Like, oh, this isn't just at my little playground. Like, like because it was. I mean, not a playground per se. Because I mean, I I paying the bills and banging my head against my desk in the office. But but just to to have seen. Just that graphic really, it really set in for me like, oh. It's quite is, mesmerizing, like all real. of the media coverage you've had over the last couple of months. Can you give us like, give listeners a little, at least a micro synopsis of all the places quick you've synops- been covered synops- recently? Um, uh, uh, my coworker, Brooke, and I went down to uh, Third Precinct Lake in uh, Minnehaha the morning after the initial deals. I wanted to go check on my friends at the Hook and Ladder. Um, and I just wanted to see what had happened down there. I, I, that's my reason. Was After the I, George Floyd. Yeah, the George Floyd yeah, thing. We just wanted to make sure everybody knows that. George Floyd. Uh, yeah. And uh, so I went down. And Palmer's is we're about a mile and a half away from, from the third precinct. And so we went down there just to kind of check on the area. I wanted to see, make sure the hook was still standing because it was directly next door to the police station. And um, and uh, ran into Chris Mazzina and Mark who run it. And uh, they were good. They were stressed out, obviously. But Shout out to Chris real quick. One of the greatest yeah, humans yeah. I know. He's what he brought. He did a lot for this bar. He brought music to anyway. Brought music to Palmer's. Um, but uh, I saw. I w- we were walking around. And I saw you know Midori's Floating World was broken into. Town Talk Diner had the sprinklers going down and smashed up. And we went over to Gandhi Hall, and they had a oh it had a broken window. So Midori owned business spray paint on the thing, and the barbershop across the street, kind of off the parking lot of the liquor store that burned. Uh, we came down here. And we just started remodeling the bathrooms. Um, and I said to my guy, I'm like, hey, you know what? Can we get, can we get plywood today and, and put them up in my windows? And just I don't have plate glass windows. I just, it's all glass block here. But still, I just wanted to like, and uh, all the wood, all those boards. And I, I pretty painted black-owned business on all of them. And, uh, and they came down today by chance, just t- three hours ago, all those boards came down. Uh, but uh, I, I shared the photo. I said, dear Minneapolis, Please take care of my baby. Shabadabadu, whatever I said. And um, just by chance. And for that moment, and then I, went, I forgot about it. It was so nonchalant. Didn't really think. I just spray painted. Bleh. And the next morning, I wake, it had been shared like hundreds and hundreds of times. had thousands of likes. And I had an email from, uh, from Newsweek, London, in my email. Like, what? The request for interview. I'm like, what? And, Is uh, this spam? <laughs> yeah. Who, who, who's this Newsweek? Fine. Right. I'll talk to the no, no. I mean, what, what band? Yeah. Anyways, um, <clears throat> so I, did, I talked to the producer. I talked to a woman in Newsweek, and I gave her kind of a 
<coughs> 30-minute story. She ran it as an essay piece in Newsweek.com. She called me back later that day or the next next day. So this is the number one story on Newsweek.com. Holy shit. I'm freaking out. And then the next morning, I get a call I, I, in my inbox with request for interviews, CNN live on the air with John King. I'm like, I like threw my phone down and ran outside like, what the fuck? Is he? You know, and, uh, and then sure, sure, the next day, and, and, the, and so I spent a half an hour, I'm, I'm with my daughter, um, I, it was my day with my daughter, and I'm swinging her on the swing, doing an interview with, with the producer for CNN, she's just kind of the lead, you know, lead in interview, before you go on the air, she's giving me other questions, she goes, by the way, side note, do you realize that President Obama follows you on Twitter? I'm like, what? She's like, do you guys know each other? I'm like, what? You, huh? For real? Is that yeah, for real? this is real. What? I'm not lying. That's it, amazing. Of, I'm assuming because of the Newsweek thing, he saw that whoever works for his social media followed me, person of interest. But uh, I'm like, what? She sent me a screenshot like, Tony Scott, followed by Barack Obama and seven, uh, whatever. <laughs> and I saw, and, and then the next day, CNBC, so then I did the CNN interview with John King. Put the hams bear in. I just got the hams bear. It's sitting right there. Uh, f- I pointed to the uh, west for those that are listening on the, on the podcast. Uh, the hams bear is directly behind Ben and Charles. Uh, I had it in the background for my it was split screen. So it was John King, Bear, Sasha, and I for like three minutes like on CNN. It was so great. And leading up, like when I, I set it up in the background, like, this is and then I set up, I'm sitting right where you're sitting, Ben, is where I did my interview on my laptop. And so I, you know, I had the lighting done right. And they're like, all right, okay, everything's good, lighting's good. We're going air in 30 seconds. I'm like, they didn't say anything about the bear. Fuck yeah, holy <laughs> shit. We're gonna... and, um, and then I was on Squawk Box, and then Newsweek uh, on CNN, and then, or CNBC, and then Newsweek did a follow-up interview with me. Um, and, and I started getting calls. I was a, pod, was a, bar, a podcast from New York called The Speakeasy. Okay, I did an interview with them. Yeah, absolutely. These guys run like some of the coolest fucking bars in fucking Manhattan, Brooklyn, whatever. And uh, and I was in an interview with somebody in Nor- Norway. Shout outs from punk rock radio station in Long Beach. And I've got all, all the local, all of our local friends. You know, Raymond Schneider, Brian Oak Show, Lauren Joseph and Lauren Julia. You know, like just all, you know, like it just was a crazy a week of like. Wow. Yeah, dude, that's crazy. Can I can I just yes, jump in on that? So uh, one of the four officers that was involved in the murder of George Floyd uh, was a former employee of mine. Okay. And I was his last boss before he joined the police force. And when uh, him and the other new officer, when their applications and dossiers got leaked to the media, my phone blew the fuck up. I had to lock down all my social media. I got the first day I got 78 phone calls and none of them were from people that I knew. And, uh, a reporter who I'll just say works for the New York times, uh, left me an actually really like nice voicemail and just said, I'm sure your life is crazy. I just really want to shine light on what's going on with George Floyd. If there's any way that you would be willing to talk with me, I'd love that. So we started chatting, and he is one of the reporters that focuses on on race relations for the New York Times. We ended up talking for about 45 minutes, and it was gut-wrenching, to say the least, because it's a human being that I interviewed, that I hired, that I cared about, and now I watched be a part of like one of the most atrocious acts I've ever seen in the world. 
And when we got done, I said, hey, I just, nobody needs to hear a giant white dude think about anything right now. If you want to know some people that we could talk to in our own community, let me know and I'll help you out. And he said, well, who, who are you thinking of? And I named off a couple people and then I said your name and he goes, oh, Tony Zaccardi. No, we already have somebody that's talking to him. <laughs> and I was like, it was such a mad, like wild world to know that like the New York Times was like, oh, no, Tony, we are we already got him. Like we're, we're on that shit. We already know that that's a dude. And honestly, I couldn't have been more flattered. I was like, you understand Minneapolis then, right, you know? You got it. Who gives a fuck if you want to talk to me? But if you're hollering at Tony at Palmer's right now and you're working on some shit, that to me was like, no, this is we're at least getting our our voices. The voices that need to be heard are at least starting to be heard. But the whole thing for me, I mean, I mean, with obviously, I mean, because this whole situation is way above you and I. And I why the fuck? Am, why am I on CNN? Why am I on CNBC? Why is why are we talking to the New York Times? Why am I in fucking news? Why is anybody on any of those hey, stations? Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll wrap this up if the timer. I want to give you yeah, time. fuck it. No, no we, here's uh, the deal. When the timer goes off, great. But if we're on something, you got to keep I'll going with it. This, yeah, because I haven't told a lot of people. So uh, a couple of days after she told me, once I realized Barack Obama follows me on Twitter, what can you do when somebody fucking follows you on Twitter? You can slide it right down into their direction. Yeah, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Fucking four old overholds in. Thank you, Jake. Old, <laughs> Subject line, overholds. Barack follows me on Twitter. Yeah. So I went, <laughs> That's I'm the name of the episode. I'm going to direct your message of Obama right now because I can't. And, uh, you know, I, obviously shedding no light on, uh, with no disrespect to our subject matter. Of course. But, like, because it was, it was a week, it was a Friday, uh, his memorial service was at uh, the convention, was the convention center or the church near the convention center. Yep. And, um, so I, there are all these rumors. Obama's coming to town. Bigger rumor was that uh, uh, our vice president, uh, Mike Pence. I mean, I don't want to say his name, yeah, but yeah, that's that guy. The rumors, he, he was coming to town no matter what. And the entire, like the Minneapolis Police State Patrol, please, 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 whatever you do, don't you dare come to Minneapolis. No, we're coming. And they, the Minneapolis Police talked him out of coming to me. I think, fucking God, otherwise the fucking U.S. Bank would have burned. And rightfully so. But uh, so, I, so I message Obama, as I do. I, I, I'm just, one more time. Can we just, can you just say that sentence one more time? Because that's the dopest shit I've ever heard a friend of mine say. <laughs> so I messaged cash, yeah. Barack Obama, <laughs> no, as Obama. you do. Oh, yeah, sorry. So no, I messaged Obama. <laughs> you know, as you do. Even more casually. <laughs> the producer from CNN goes, do you realize Barack Obama follows you on Twitter? <laughs> That's all I need. Like, what the fuck? So, so I so I mentioned my boy. Oh, <laughs> big O. I said, no. I gave him a very sincere. I'll find it. I'll show it to you guys. In fact, you know what? I should show it to you now. So you're gonna read it because because what well, show, I show do, us after you know, because what to do? Otherwise, I it's dead air unless you read it. <laughs> in my fucking text, I misspelled Minneapolis. <laughs> and oh, honestly, was fuck. it Mindianapolis? No, which uh, Monopolis. A flight attendant, a flight attendant once sent to me Mindianapolis like four times, and I was like, "Do you know where you're going?" Yeah, but but also legit. That was my entire life. I know. And I'm messaging the fucking president of the United States that mattered to most of us for a very long time, Barack fucking Obama, or Barack Hussein Obama, Barack <laughs> Hussein fucking Obama. Yep. 
and I spelled Minneapolis wrong. I'm trying to, I'm trying to represent, like, hey, Mr. Obama, President Obama, blah, 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 black guy, blah, 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 you're following me on Twitter, oh my God, blah, blah. Mona Polis, M-O-N-E-A-P-O-L-I-S. Oh, man. Oh, I love you Shout so much. You. Pretty close. It Pretty with, close. We all miss you very much. That's the most, <laughs> that's, but that's the most real shit I've ever this heard. This is a love letter. That's, that's oh, I love it. Amazing. I can dig it. I spelled Minneapolis. Well, Yo, let me just, let me just say this. Hold like, on. I got to pour some shots. Yeah, we kind of zeroed in on that, and that was, like, well worthwhile. I'm glad we got to talk about that. I had some perfunctory bullshit Brand that up. I was thinking of that I wanted to talk about. Like how we never grow up, you know, yeah. some contrasting thing about how like our parents, like they're kind of, they still have some, some of those childlike tendencies. And when you're a kid, you think that, oh, I'm going to be an adult someday, but that never actually happens. But honestly, my question changed while you were talking and it's probably the right answer. The right answer is, I think, I think I really grew up when I, I found my identity as a person of color and was able to like say you know, proudly, like, I'm Middle Eastern, I'm Lebanese. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, I couldn't say that when I was a kid because I mostly went to, at least in, like, my grade school, middle school years. Did you grow up I went, in town here? Or where'd you grow? I grew up in Northeast, yeah, okay, and I went yeah. to uh, Holy Cross. Oh, oh Jesus. Northeast yeah. Regional. Okay, yeah. It was, like, a church so sponsor. Yeah, so you lived a life. I mean, well, being a person of color, I don't yeah. know exactly how old you are, but... Yeah, it was me, and there was, like, uh, one black girl that was... Her name was Ivy, and she was fucking cool, but, like... I didn't realize I was a person of color. Right. I was just like, I'm like everybody else. And then I had a mustache when I was 10. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, hang on a second. It's grown now. Now it's covered. It's enveloped your right. face. But for a long time, I kind of resented my background because I wanted to be like everybody else. Sure. And I think that, yeah, for me, when I, when I came to realize I'm different and it's a good thing. And then, you know, over the years, obviously, you compound upon that. I'm I'm super proud of like how I feel about my identity and that I'm not ashamed of it and I don't think anyone else should be either. I, I think you know for me and, and Ben, you can if you want to jump in at any point. Sorry. No, no. we just we just went right past the big white guy. Well, that, but that's not that's <laughs> no, the I'm thing joking. is that like I mean the reason I wanted to ask that is because I still don't even I still don't even see myself as an adult. Right. Like if a little kid came running up to me and was this is shout out to Steve Gillespie, one of the funniest jokes I've ever heard on stage. If a little kid ran up to me and was like, Mister, I need an adult, I'd be like, Cool, let's go find one. And I grab that kid by the hand, we go find an adult. But I exist Isn't that good too though? Like I it's, it, we can maintain various levels of Yeah. But like for me <laughs> it's so sad to say it, but for me, because I've been bigger than everybody around me, and because I'm loud, yeah. it yeah. I've that's, always yeah, just been yeah. given this weird privilege. Yeah. And I'm always fascinated to hear what other people think about like when that first adult shit came. Because the whole time, I, I've always felt like I was just cosplaying. I still feel like I'm cosplaying right now. <laughs> I, I don't feel like anything that I have in my life I've earned. Imposter syndrome is 100% a thing. Yeah. Because it's never... All of my struggles haven't had to do with, like, what I could do with my career. All of my struggles have either been, A, put on myself by me or been shit that I've had going on emotionally where, like, I had to work through my own shit. Right. But as far as, like, what people consider, like, gainful employment and, like, all the adult things, the whole time... I still always just think I'm, I'm just fucking around. I'm playing. I put on a costume and whatever. Like I met the most amazing woman and she's like down with cosplaying with me. And 
we just fuck around and pretend like we're adults, but really at the end of the day, it's still just dick and fart jokes and let's have some wine. And I, I'm fascinated by when people think that they became adults because I'm still Peter panning the shit out of my life. Yeah, that was my original answer. It, it seems almost like I think if you ask people to really break it down and you, you present it to them in this way and you say to them, like, do you ever really think you're an adult? Like you've reached this plateau of wisdom this like Zen period, lateralis, the lights spin around your head, a thousand eyes, and you understand everything? No, absolutely not. Never. No, and, I, and I think, um, thank you, Ben, for sharing that, because I mean, I want to reach out to you and go, you know, everybody in their growing up years, we all feel awkward in some ways. You're the, you're the big guy. Mm-hmm. You're the big tall guy. Hey, could you change the light bulb? You're a basketball player. <laughs> Bulls, you know, like, you should work at security. Pull some ceiling tiles yeah, yeah. down. <laughs> So yeah, I'm a user. No, the- <laughs> no, but it, but to, to, but to that point, it's like it's it's, it's fair to say when you're Charles, you brought up persons of color. It's like I see Ben is a white kid. He's a total white guy, but like he, he's being singled out for certain things because of the trade that we see instantly. He's tall, dude. You know, I'm a black guy. You're Middle Eastern. Um, I definitely. Uh, I didn't. I I didn't want to be different than anybody either. You know. I mean, I grew up uh, in the you know late '80s heavy metal music. '87, '89, Guns N' Roses, Poison, Warrant, Skid Row, Slaughter. We have that in common. Shit. People of color that love and like, yeah, there's not heavy a lot of, music. There are a lot of us, but I didn't know anyone right. else. In those days, no, there was no. And I was now in you can Park, find it's plentiful. But and back it was then. like it was fighting words. Yeah. And I was in, in in the '80s in Brooklyn Park. It was like fucking hate in words. But Tony, I fucking love you. You're badass. Did you used to get headhunted at concerts like I did? No, no. This is a great example of why I'm floored at how this question has gone because what you guys just said right there is something that I didn't even understand. Like, the fact that you just had to ask the question, did you get headhunted at concerts, yeah, it was is thing. something that I've literally never even thought about. Oh, yeah. yeah and yeah. that, like, that shit is, like, soul-crushing. But it's a real fucking thing. Certainly. And, I mean, talk about it. Oh, no, I want to let Tony continue do, on his know, trajectory. I, I, to, but I, I, had, uh, I used to get my hair, um, st- not straightened, but I get it relaxed at Aveda. My aunt brought, mm. I try, was trying to have long, straight, long hair like all my buddies. So I could fucking bang my head against the stage. I yeah, could yeah. never be from you know, metallic. Like, I wanted to just have, oh, my hair is different. It's ringless. <laughs> have that flowing headbang. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. It just didn't quite work. I was and, that, and that's something I never would have thought about. I had the you fucking girl on the school bus. Like, I left the thing, and it was like, very embarrassing. I left the last one. But I, cause I was like, I'm the fucking 13-year-old black kid with fucking Motley Crue back patch on his jean jacket with a Marlboro hat. Like, I'm a freak. You know, everyone's like, Tony, 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 done it again. I'm like, this good. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Dark side of the moon, bitches. You know, I'm just going to go ahead and say that I am a huge Huge Raphael Sadiq and Tony 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 fan, so that made me happy. Just, I'm sorry. I was, that, that was like, but still not Tony Town. It's like, come on, what the fuck? I don't want to, you know. <laughs> so the, it was just too real, you know. You know, from, you know. Um, so it was hard, you know. And so even being a person of color, you know, and I didn't have. There was one other kid I went to junior high with, my friend Andre, who was who was also in a kind of hard rock music. We weren't close friends. But where I was like, what's up, town? Andre, how you doing, brother? Yeah, we, I went to his house a few times, something like that. You know, I don't know what we did, play G.I. Joe's or some shit. But, um, but really, I was, I, was, I was on a kind of an island. And I, for a long time, even years later, you know, I worked at a car wash when I was 15. And uh, I would, I'd be, you know, sometimes I'd be the guy spraying the cars down. Sometimes I'd be drying your car off. 
and I'd be driving the car up and hear the doors lock. It's like, oh. But, hey, oh, but, I'm a, shit. but I'm a nice guy, you know, that kind of stuff. It's like, but I don't, I don't think racially, like, I don't, I'm not a, I'm not an activist. I have dear friends of mine, very close people that are on this premises right now. They're like, rally, 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 riot, 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 protest, protest. I'm not. I don't think, you know, I didn't even think when, when I bought Palmer's, somebody like, Tony, do you realize how many people are going to be excited that somebody looks like you? Uh, and and sincere, you know, owns Palmer's. I was like, oh, I didn't even, I didn't even think about that. And then suddenly it was like Mecca from Insight, my dear friend Mecca Bose, she's like, I want to talk to you about being a, one of the few black bar owners. I'm like, oh, I am? Oh, shit. Oh, I guess I am. I, I didn't, I don't know. I just like listen to fucking pictures and dance around like a fucking idiot, you know? Shout out to Mecca. We're actually working on a date that'll work for her to be on this podcast as well. She's super dope. Yeah, I remember in 2001 when, like, God Forbid came to uh, have, have, like, a national spotlight as a metal band, yep, yep. mostly comprised of, of minorities, including, like, two black men, that, like, that brought me so much joy. Like, it made, it made the music feel more powerful to me. Because I remember, you know, being a teenager and going to metal shows and being, like, the only one there that looked like me. It was kind of like being in St. Cloud. You see someone across the room that is also a person of color, and you just kind of silently nod at the same pace. Hey, what's up? (laughs) I I was at a show at the Seventh Street Entry, one of my very first entry shows. It was a a ska band called The Pacers out of Milwaukee. I remember those guys. They're incredible. I had a I had a three song EP from them that ska, was ska, fucking ska, amazing. Grunge, grunge, grunge. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, I went to the show. And I was like, I never been to a ska show, maybe an entry show, and it was like, you know, people that dressed like skinheads, but they're the you know, friendly skins. It was like, you know, fucking ska fans. <laughs> Everything comes from Jamaica, we so you got to be cool. White tank tops, docks on, the whole bit, and I and I was like freaking out, like, oh my god, because I love the Pacers so much, and these people were dancing. But they're just like dancing, like, and I saw Randy Hawkins, who, who wow. still, God bless Randy, was running. Holy sound shit! Show, and his dreadlocks down to his fucking asshole. And still like, a legend. Like, yeah, and I'm still, he's a fucking amazing legend, wizard. I looked at him like, sir, am I okay? Am I safe here? He's like, shut <laughs> up, kid, you're fine. <laughs> and people just dance around. So I've had a great night. So I, I just the whole like book by its cover. Even for me as a young kid, I see some a situation I'm scared of. To see people like Randy who's in charge of the situation, da da da. And I went, oh, cool, okay. The world's a little more accepting than uh, me having to try and comfort an old lady who's scared to see me at the bus stop. Man, fucking, that's crazy. I hate to shuffle along because we're no. You know, this is so good, but this is why we're doing this because. Do you have any fart jokes? Has well, but no, legitimately, how many times have you just been <laughs> hanging out with friends at a bar and the conversation kind of got accidentally super deep? It's the most beautiful shit ever, and that's, that's why we're doing this podcast. That literally, that right there off air, but. was exactly why we're doing this. But even so, I fucking like, love you for it. It's it's hyper evident that we can have these types of conversations with you on this program at another time. We can dig deeper. That's that's a lovely thing. We love that, man. Everyone we talked to so far, we've been so sympathetic. Come on back, and I think it's just because like. The whole vibe of what we're trying to produce is an environment where we feel like people are being brought into the bar room with us. Uh, And now it's friends. In the future, it may be strangers. But the whole idea is that we're presenting people with the purview of of kind of what we live with on a day-to-day basis, having conversations with, like, cool people and having a couple drinks, and then who knows what you talk about. And I I think that's something to... Please never forget, like, because all of these conversations I've pre- I have had 
Um, some are uncomfortable. Some are funny and jokey and fun. Um, the whole idea about being at a bar, being at a tap room, at a brewery, uh, at a distillery, sitting with your friends, loving each other, especially now in these times, like loving each other and just fucking getting to sit down and fucking be real about each other. I'm with three people that are not going to judge me for what I say right now. Cool. I want to tell you something that happened to me or right. something I thought about something. And that's what's really wonderful about Love it. Love it. Well, let's say, oh, well, hold on. You know, you can at least tell us that we got the exclusive on that Obama follow. Is that the exclusive? That's so dope. That is, is the first shit. time that's been reported. I definitely did not know. Please that. like, subscribe, review, follow, <laughs> click. Gonna, let's let's read it. Uh, well, let's read it on to the podcast. No, I've, I've let a people, a few people, like look at it and read it. But literally, I direct here. What here, the actual here, follow? Charles. Hand, Sorry. Uh, All right. hand, okay. Let's, look at this. the very last time I DM'd anybody. Messages, President Barack here, here, Obama. Here, here, somebody hold, open it up. Hold on. I, I, also love the, I also love the fact that we got Dwayne The Rock Johnson is also oh, on that list. That's <laughs> casual. No, but hold on. Here we go. Here we go. When read, you got Barack, it. you don't All right. it. It's embarrassing. I'm kind of embarrassed okay. now. Read oh, the it. message you sent him. President Obama, I'm beside myself, but I thank you for following me. I'm a 42-year-old black male that owns a bar in Minneapolis. In Moneapolis. How's it spelled? M-O-N-E-A-P-O-L-I-S. <laughs> It's the original spelling. Right. <laughs> uh, I have somehow been pulled into the national news circuit this week. Newsweek and CNN yesterday. It's wild. I saw that you may be coming to Minneapolis this weekend. And you spelled Minneapolis right the second time. Killed it. That's right. It is. It's a long shot, surely. But if there is a chance to meet in person, it would be a dream come true. Rep, uh, uh, Representative Omar uh, mentioned my spot in a speech recently. We share a wall with a mosque. Super weird. Anyhow, we all miss you so, so bad. Appreciate your love for this country, period. My best, period. Tony Zaccardi, 888-777-7777. And here's my that email address. That is fucking beautiful. And honestly, just the fact that you got to send that to him makes me so jealous. I want to die. It's amazing. Hey, cheers to that. Cheers. We need to have a shot. To Tony Zaccardi hollering at Barack Obama. That's the fucking greatest shit ever. We all deal with our shit. Boom. As a big, tall white guy, as a Middle Eastern person. So, as, as one of the Middle Easterns. You could say it. You could say a hairy, a hairy Mediterranean hairy, boy. As a hairy Mediterranean. <laughs> best chest hairier. See, that's something I used to be mad about when people call me hairy. But let's move on here. All right, Tony. Yes. I got a good one here. I love this. I'm so excited about this question. Okay. I want this to be a recurring thing. I love this question. Oh, okay. Ooh, I love it. I they we say to never meet your heroes, right? Name a person you admire that you think would be shitty in real life. Wow. Okay. Um, while I think of the answer, one of my heroes is Frank Black from the Pixies, and I interviewed him on the telephone, and it was the worst day of my life. Okay. So you had like worst day because of his answers, day. or yeah. just you were having because a shitty of my day? Questions, probably. I was nineteen. Twenty. I was twenty-one. Uh, fuck. Okay. No, 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 no. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. We gotta back this up. How the fuck? Yeah. How the fuck were you interviewing Frank Fucking Black hey, at hey, twenty-one? Hey, you're asking me the same fucking way I asked myself. <laughs> well, I sat at Grumpy's Northeast with my buddy Bengal. Holy fuck! I'm, here, fuck, I'm, here. <laughs> I'm so jealous. And, and, and I woke him up early in the morning. Um, his publicist told me the call. He was at whatever, the time zone. He didn't know the interview. And I was like, hello, Frank. This is Tony from Cake Magazine. I worked at Cake Magazine. Uh, all right, who's this? Tony from Cake Magazine. Hang on. Fuck, what? What? Who, what? No, what? Hang on. Give me a minute. Five minutes later, I have a recording of it. 
He comes back and goes, let's just do this fucking thing. All right, what do you got? And I was like, <laughs> what are your, what's your songwriting preference? How do you write? Like, I was like, I didn't know the fuck I was doing. And I'm talking to one of my heroes. Um, and it was okay, terrible. so you kind of shit the bed. I sh- it was all me. Okay. I shit okay. the bed. And, I, and I, <laughs> I, 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 I have sealed, I don't even know if I still have it, but I sealed the micro, the micro cassette tape and a little heat sealer bag thing, and I never listened to it again. That's amazing. What's your question, Charles? If I to meet a hero, yeah, who you, who would you even if you idolize them? Who would you, yeah, like, who you not want to meet because they'd probably be a dick? Right. Who do you suspect that if you met them, they'd be a uh, real twerp? I I don't I don't have a lot of heroes on that level. Like I don't have like it doesn't gotta be a hero. Just maybe someone like because I also don't I don't idolize celebrities. But if someone Someone you admire that's like a musician, perhaps, or like some other celebrity, an actor or something, that you're like, I don't know, man, I think that guy wouldn't be that cool, or that lady wouldn't be that cool if I met him. Wow. That's tough, because I don't... I get, I get, listen, I'll do this. Why don't you think about it? Yeah, yeah. I'll buy you some time. On the similar <laughs> wavelength of what you had said prior, that you'd spoken to somebody, I, and this isn't the question, but the, I've, met a, I've met quite a lot of celebrities. I worked in sports memorabilia when I was younger. Worst celebrity I ever met, Joe Montana. That's a story for another time. Joe Montana's a piece of shit. I'm saying that in the air. I cannot wait to hear that story. Dude, he is very uncool. He's not Joe Cool. He's Joe Uncool. But the person, and I I actually spoke to Quam about this, the person I think that I I really admire as an artist and as a renaissance man and has done a lot in his life, he's a musician, a lyricist, uh, uh, owns a vineyard, Maynard James Keenan. And he writes a lot of... He writes a lot of lyrics and has discussed how he hates fandom. But if I were ever to meet him, it would be as like another human. And I don't think he'd be open to that. He seems like the kind of guy that doesn't want to meet anybody. And I was I was the worst when he told me that story because I've gone to his vineyard and his wine store in Jerome, Arizona. And his partner, who if you watch the documentary, oh, I I don't even know the full story of that. But if you watch the documentary about their vineyard, uh, his partner came out, served me wine. We hung out for an hour. It was a blast. My the, wife and I vineyard, came home. Right? With, yeah. We came home with uh, four different bottles of like the different Merkin things. Yeah. I mean, it was honestly, it was one of the most like it was probably my best experience at a vineyard ever. But the entire time, I was like, I'm really glad that it's this guy talking to me. Really, you even thought so at the time. I'm not a a Tool fan at all. I don't get it. I don't don't perfect circle. I just just do not. I have not since 1994. Don't give a shit. However. Could have said this earlier. I would have got real mad at you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're done. (laughs) All right. Well, okay. Two different. Okay. To bring it back to make you happier, Adam Jones, bass player. So dope. Talented artist. At Grubby's in Northeast Minneapolis. He bartended. He bar- oh, yeah. He, okay. he hung out at Grubby's. He Should have texted me. Buzz from the Melvins bartended. Oh, that's right. Grubby's oh, shit. Grubby's. And Adam and I have hung out with. That was my fault then. And, and he was cool as. He's a badass dude. He's cool as fuck. Mm-hmm. Great guy. God, I just want to keep it real fast. And I'll go back. Mm-hmm. His who was Pat's business partner at Grubby's. Uh, told me the story. Adam, who is clearly a multimillionaire because he's a fucking bass player for Tool, right. went to a you know, one of those fancy L.A. flea market. Like, oh, here's a guy selling original 
$100,000 prints of this, you know, and I'm just like, cool, I want that. I'll be back in like a half an hour with the cashier's check. And the guy's like, fuck you, kid, whatever. Like, he literally just gave him a fuck you. I'm literally, like, I will, I'm going to buy it. He's like, you don't get it. This is worth a lot of money. It's just going to cost you. He's like, hey, brush him out. He's like, he's a nobody. I have another story similar to that. He himself is an artist. I tried buying some of his artwork in their early days when it was just uh, toolband.com, I believe. I, I, I have I, a 45 autograph by he, he and Buzz. Oh, really? Yeah, maybe you should have it. Shit. I'll give it to you. I just said it on the air. <laughs> Shit. When I find it, I'll give it to you. It's in my storage unit. Damn. Um, uh, uh, so, so I've seen that. And, yeah. And, but to your point, Ben, I think, you know, there are, there are you know, I, I'm annoyed by the, the whole idea of Vader. Like, I, was, I know he's, he's done, I have friends of mine that are huge fans, like, yeah, he did a, they did a show at XL where he stood and faced, he stood behind the drummer and faced the fucking back of the thing, like. Yes, so I was there. And yeah. it's like, but you know, okay, you know what? Behind the same. There are, yep. there, some of that's princess bullshit that I hate, it seems so contrived and bullshit, but, you know what, there are people that are, you know, that are famous, cool, but they're also just eccentric artists, actual fucking eccentric people. Which sometimes it's it's hard to forget, or hard to remember. Like, okay, that guy actually, you know what? He's a genius, and he, he spells out crazy lyrics and writes amazing songs. Da, da, da. But he's also he really does not like being around people. It's you like, don't have to be mad about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, I'm not. Like, I'd rather not meet him. Right. I never want to meet him. So that's a great point. So calm yeah. the fuck down. Yep. He's an eccentric motherfucker. He's a talented motherfucking eccentric motherfucker. Let him do his thing. He's weird about being around people. He does not want to meet you. He's weirded out, but he's as weirded out about meeting you as you were excited at the idea of meeting him. And so give him that credit. And, and that's what I used to not understand. And I, but I've come around to understand that. Well, well if one of us is going to be self-important, he's earned the right to do so. Yeah. And I'm not. So, I'm like, not if he's going to be like, I don't want to meet that guy. But like right. But I'm saying like, if he's, like, uh, um, uh, p- he's placing an importance on, like, his zen, like, I don't need yes. some kid coming in here telling me your music changed my life, then, like, in the balance of that, he 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 can make that I think, determination. I think that's what was so great, though, like about Prince's weird shit. You I'm know, like there with Prince. I'm not I lie. I I don't have I, I have a lot of like weird ass interactions with celebrities that have been like cool and fun and whatever. Mm-hmm. But Prince is one of the few people that is really polarizing, and I th- he died. He's not here. He is a great example of somebody who... This podcast is evergreen. Don't say that. Could have been, this could have happened 20 years ago. I think... I, I honestly think that he enjoyed some people. He didn't enjoy everybody. He enjoyed accolades, but he didn't enjoy crowds giving him accolades. And the three times that him and I had solid interactions for a long amount of time, all I got from that was that was a shy human being who is stuck in a profession yeah. that requires adherence to tons of people. That sounds like Maynard. And, yeah, and he built an entire cult around this is how I don't have to talk to people. Like some of the shit that Prince did when I was around, some of the shit that Prince did, he just did to do a weird thing and then disappear because that added to the well, the, like the mysticism. That, like the photos of him at the electric fetus right before he passed away. I can almost envision him winking at the camera. Going, eh. Yep. You know, I mean, here's a, here's a great story. Unrelated, really, but 
my 21st birthday, Ian Rands and I. Ian took me to 21st the- birthday, so like eight years ago? June 13th, 1998. <laughs> I love yeah. you. Grandpa, I love you. Grandpa Tony is here. I love you. Grandpa Tony is here. Uh, we go to the Uptown that Bar. That ain't so bad. No, but check this story out. We go to the yeah. Uptown Bar. We're sitting there, and I'm sitting from my back to the looking at the stage. Whatever. And uh, I ordered a Summit Hefeweizen when I had that in those. They used to have those beautiful Hefeweizen glasses. Oh, hell yeah. I'm like, holy God, it's my 21st birthday, Saturday morning. And this man stands up from one of the low tops, kind of between. I was near the back. And fuck goes, that. We're going to keep going. Fuck that. Check out the story. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, and this, this guy stands up from a table wearing green, fucking lime green pants and a lime green and bright blue and white striped T-shirt with long curly hair. I'm like, holy shit, Ian. Fucking Robert Plant is standing seven feet behind you. <laughs> from behind. He's like, what the fuck? He's like. This fucking Robert fucking Plant from Led Zeppelin was standing, sitting at the, the whole time I'm sitting there drinking and eating brunch. Come the fuck he on. He stands up from the table and all of a sudden everyone kind of went, huh? oh? and he went, what? And he goes to the waitress, is there a record still around here? You know? And, uh, Shut the fuck up. She goes, sends him to Cheapo around the corner where Nate Kranz, who runs First Avenue Empire, was there. And he saved his credit card receipt with his signature. But Robert Plant, and he walks out, walks past our table, walks all past all the booths, he's been the back window, kind of going, yep. He, he nodded, people were like, Every, and everyone's cool, no one freaked out. He just kind of, he nodded everybody, like, yep. and everyone's like, Whew. you know, if you can imagine the face I'm making, it was like, Hah. it's a different time. Like, people were more shocked, but less reactive. But no, and no one had Now iPhones. people are less shocked, no one had iPhones. more reactive, exactly. No like, people now are like, I just need to document this for my friends. Yeah, there's no documenting. It just fucking happened. Yeah. That's, and, and he just went, yep, trip. you're seeing me at this shitty-ass fucking bar. <laughs> and then he went to Chipo and ate crayons. Fucking, fucking Robert Plant. from like, So he was cool. Like, everyone went, ah! <laughs> and he went, yep, it's me, fuckers. Yep, and all right. He, he you found walked, me. <laughs> and, yep, and he kind of nodded. He nodded at me and Ian. He nodded at Ian and I. And then nodded whatever. And then he just went on his way to his day. Like, oh, my God. Holy fuck. So... So I haven't. I don't know that there's anybody that I would not want to meet because if there's somebody that I respect and love that much, I, I'm assuming in my mind that they're going to be that fucking cool. That it is a little tabloid. It's like presumptive. Like, do you think that guy, like Maynard may be the sweetest guy in the world when he met me, but I'm pretty sure it's not the case. Quam, quickly, <laughs> give that, us a little I'm, synopsis on here. Lots of famous people. Um, I met Ron Jeremy. He was funny. I met all these, the, the, but I just I don't I don't. I don't know that there's... Well, Ron Jeremy's not famous. A portion uh, of him sure is. He sure as fuck his penis is. I will yeah. straight up... Oh, only like, gotcha. 35% of him is famous. I will straight up say that <laughs> I spent... I spent 24 hours straight with Ron Jeremy, and it's one of the saddest... I've seen that video. Honestly, it's, it's, le- it's legitimately like one of the saddest experiences that I've ever had. Jesus. Was it worse than the situation? Yeah, it was. What if you spent 24 hours with both of them and then you no longer oh, wanted to do this podcast been, with them? That would have been amazing. And that became your new podcast. So I will, give, I will give Ron Jeremy credit that he was the first person that told me that it is more traditional to use your fingers to grab sushi and like Fucking eat right. it and whatever. Oh, that's hell yeah. I, I didn't know it until we all went out to eat together and i was kind of his handler for an entire night way to put my ron jeremy story to <laughs> i'm not trying to, i'm not trying to denigrate him i so could be a good person I'm like a, i mean we're, i love the fact that we're just <laughs> we're just fucking running way past all this shit <laughs> well, uh dude okay hold on 
Yeah, we're in our. All right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we still got. We still do you have one, though. Mark? I do. Do you have one? For, yeah. Like someone you think. Oh, like. Would not be all right. Real? So we'll tell the Ron Jeremy story some other time. Yeah. Uh, honestly, for me, it sucks. Kurt Vonnegut is my all time, all time, all time favorite author. Wow. Yeah, that yeah. dude, everything oh, that right. he writes, mm. like. I was at a point where I was literally, I gave a sermon at a, like, it was a a Jewish, Catholic, and Lutheran faith. Everybody's all together. And my church tapped me to give a sermon. I gave a sermon to 2,000 people. And the entire time I was doing it, I was like, I don't know if I believe this. And Cat's Cradle was the last thing that pushed me over the edge. Cat's Cradle, when I was 19 years old, changed my entire world. I am who I am because of that book. I hate the fact that everybody that ever met Kurt Vonnegut didn't have nice things to say. It sucks because somebody who is so influential in my life, I literally do not have a single person who said it was really great to meet him. And every there's five people that really influenced like, who I am in my life. And he's the only one that there's no positive but, but for. I think, I think you know, not, not to discount that, but I think the whole thing about the reason you personally respect, love, idolize that person, the, that person may have just happened to have been a runner at a thing and got to meet him and he was a dick because he was at a... And, and, or, you know, like my instance with Frank Black, who I met him two weeks later in person, and he was gorgeous. I met him. He was, mm-hmm. he was great. I didn't even tell him so that. So he rectified the situation. Exactly. Yeah. He, yeah. He didn't. I didn't tell him I was going to interview him. He was, but I was a fan in the audience. Back after the show, he was loading the the van behind the the ground zero behind ground zero. Yeah. Where he played. Um, who I also saw Sublime, Charles, at ground zero, original Sublime with Bradley Knoll. Twenty people in the audience. That's amazing. Jesus. The worst fucking show I've ever seen performed <laughs> by. He was. It was like six months before that. Like four months later, had he lived, he would have been as big as fucking. Robert Plant, like they, they, that record came out in '96, mm. boom, whatever. But he was he was so far gone at that point; they were terrible. Uh, but Frank Black met him there. Is just a kid out back, didn't know that I was the guy to talk to him, and he was he was a he's a match. He was great. He was great. I was a journalist to him at the time, and I woke him up. Publicist error, blah blah blah. blah my error, terrible questions. I was night 21, yeah. so blah blah. I, I think the whole idea though is like the, if you meet the person. So regardless of your friend's interactions with Kurt Vonnegut, yours could have been very different and it could have been very special. So. But I also, I, I, I don't think, I, I have his words. I don't, yeah, that was my thing. It's like, I don't need to meet him. I don't need to know. He's like Kerouac, man. I got a Kerouac quote right above my desk. Yep. He's like Kerouac, he's like Maynard. He's like, you know what? This is what I do. Right. I fucking, these are my songs. I fucking put my heart and my life into them. I hit it. And that's, that's how I'm talking with you. I don't need to talk. Yeah, it's to you all. Person. I mean, it's a matter of sort of what resonated with you, unless something nefarious occurred. And like Jack Kerouac, right above my desk in my studio in Northeast Minneapolis, I have, I have his classic quote uh, from On the Road: "The only ones for me are the mad ones, the ones who are mad to live, mad to talk, mad to be saved, desirous of everything at the same time, the ones who never yawn or say a commonplace thing, but burn, burn, burn like fabulous yellow Roman candles exploding like spiders across the stars." Like that's you know such a like great quote, but yeah, like the so so the way that that makes me feel as a creative, and like what it turns out he may be like as an individual, 
you know, you can conflate the two, especially if, like, that individual is actually nefarious. I love the shit out of Blackberry Brandy. I love the shit out of Polish. Yeah, let's go. I don't need to talk to, I don't need to, talk to somebody that works for there and make sure that they're super cool to hang out. Yeah, hey, I'm with you on that, too. We're going to have to discuss that at another time. Absolutely, gentlemen. We digressed hard on that one, so here we go. Pulling it back. Uh, do you want to ask the last one, or should I? Do you have the question queued up? I do. This is interesting, because we both write questions, and then we, like, order them but Quam has my question yeah. i mean so, they're all our questions the last one uh i will i will uh try and reiterate the best i can to charles's uh demeanor you're a renaissance man which uh i'd like to think we all consider ourselves you are dude what? where where do you find yeah where do you find yourself the most comfortable like is it on stage is it hanging out with your kid is it behind a bar is it talking the question is yeah what's your natural environment is it is it how is it sliding into barack obama's dms i mean where do you find is this this is friend talk sitting around the bar right now i wish Mm -hmm. uh, because my 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 wife of well my elizabeth's mother sorry elizabeth my wife uh we're going through divorce right now um been together for 18 years married for 15 um we have an amazing, beautiful fucking daughter, Sophia, and I love. I, right now, I'm hanging out there a couple days a week, and we're gonna start doing overnights. Da, da, right now, and she's I a wish, boss and a great artist too. I'll just say I that. I love her. I'm so proud of her. She's, she's amazing. Person. I wish that I was like the most comfortable right now. At home, being her dad was just fine. Great. Da, da, da. Trying to relearn that. Um, relearn being her. You know, she's growing up enough to like. She's cool with the situation. She's smart as fuck. She's intelligent. Um, and so that's great. I wish I was better right now at how to just be back in dad mode with her versus like hanging out buddy mode. That was a real talk answer. And I don't want to go any further down the road. I honestly. I'm so proud of my daughter. I love her. I, I'm, currently, I'm most comfortable. My favorite place to be without sounding like a fucking drunk asshole. But because I'm such a fan of bar culture, I grew up my uncle in a bar. My grandfather was a bartender in the 40s at what is now Eli's Northeast, called the Pine Tavern. I go to the bar. I screw up playing pull tabs on George Rockstead's lap at Dave's Bar at Hyde. I love sitting at bars talking to people. Sitting at a bar stool just like we are right now uh, versus being a bar owner versus all the publicity shit that has happened. I love sitting with my friends and doing exactly what we've done because um, I think that's the most real shit. I think it's, it's the funnest. It's just and with your people that you trust, you can say shit to that's like, I don't ever, don't ever want to be quoted as having said that. And that's something I've had to try and be careful about because of some of the press or a bar owner or because of the band or being a grumpies. Got to watch what you say to who you say it to. But I, that's my favorite place to be. It's just like sit here drinking fucking Ham's beer and Blackberry brandy and shooting the shit with people. Real, real talk. Brother, this is the right demo for that because – Realistically, that's that'll place top five with yep. many people who listen life. to this. You I know, get to, I like, do yeah. this every day. This is unfortunate. Sorry. Yeah, sometimes I mean, when you think in terms of our lives and our stressors and and the things that we deal with, our trials and tribulations, scooting that stool up and hearing the screech on the tile as it pulls right up to that polished wood countertop, and you settle your elbows up there, and you can look Tony in the eye and say, Tony. 
Yeah. How you doing, brother? Can I get a give me a Goose Island Bourbon County style? Make sure it's not in a stem glass. Okay. Really Put it in a pretty <laughs> ass glass. As much as I hate craft beer world, and I don't. I'm sure. Kidding. But there's sure. A, on the beer people page. Oh, oh so man. You, you see what I That's did why there? you hate it. See what I did there? <laughs> beer people page. Some guy. <laughs> this is the cutest story in the world. Okay. His early beer people are still really fun. Mm-hmm. He's like, help. I'm at, now it's called 280. 280 Station 280. Station 280. Yep. And uh-huh. I still do two, two for ones all the time. He's like, dudes, help. He's like live face, Facebooking it. Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> it's Bourbon County 2016, say. And they're doing two for one pints. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's a real thing. Okay, here's the deal. Holy fuck. You know, like he gets through a half a pint. He's like, God, I'm, I'm doing it. <laughs> he's Good like luck. live Facebooking. Godspeed. Like, yeah, it was like, it was, that's exactly what it was. Like, Godspeed, brother. It was like. Pray for Mojo. It was like, it was like looking at the fucking alien, your, your, counter, your, your astronauts out in outer space. Like, Godspeed, you brother. I wish I was there with you. You know, like, you're in the ass control room. Yeah. Motherfucker's doing a spacewalk. Mm-hmm. He's like, he's drinking two for one pints of bourbon. You got to scroll down deep to find the Uber hearse. <laughs> You gotta go like nineteen <laughs> Uber hers. That's literally that's the problem with like straight math allocations. Is that well, that should have? Yeah. Of course. Straight, straight math allocations. Whoops, you fucked up. But it was just that whole idea. Was like that guy really, <laughs> guys. I need some support. I mean, Come on, man. Realistically, he did not. Y'all gotta help me out. These guys who drink beer, we could we could both we could have finished both of those pints in twenty minutes. Right. As the, it's not for everybody. It was really cute. You know, it was really I had uh, I had two <laughs> friends that got married, and uh, basically because of her student loans, she wanted to wait until she was done with school before they actually like officially became married. So I presided over the wedding. They were married in France in front of everybody. No, this was in uh, gotcha. no, East Minneapolis. Uh, but when they finally, when she was finally done with school. We came and we, I still threw a second ceremony and they were like, well, where should we do it? I'm like, the bar at Hy-Vee for sure. Let's do it. Because the bar at Hy-Vee is 50% off Hy-Vee? all tap, yeah. all tap beers. I'm just going to say the bar at Hy-Vee. Okay. Oh, well, actually, oh, I, I, no, I, I guess uh, you, don't, you shouldn't specify because this is a podcast. No, I, I don't, I don't want to get anybody fired. Like, subscribe. Even yeah. if you're in Norway. Oh, exactly. I know what I know what so Hy-Vee is a grocery store, and they have a bar and restaurant in every single one of their places. Okay. I'm keeping it generic because I don't want anybody to get in trouble if somebody listens to it. But we met there, and basically the whole thing is all you need is both people in the couple and then one person on either side is witnesses. That's what it takes legally to make a marriage. So we did the whole ceremony with everybody there. And then four months later, when she finally got done with school, we were like, do you, do you, bing, bing, everybody's good. And uh, because everything is 50% off, fuck you, Bell. Because everything's 50% off, uh, they had barrel-aged darkness on draft, which was 750. Oh, okay. So it was 50% off. In a pint glass? Was it a shaker? <laughs> In a pint glass. shaker? 100% pint glass. <laughs> okay. And then they had, and then they had uh, Weller 12-year bourbon, 
and I ordered a round of Weller for us all to like have a shot of whiskey to say, hey, you're actually now married. So uh, when we asked for the tab, the bartender walked up and said, so here we go. It's all in one. Is that okay? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I'm paying for it. She goes, I couldn't find whatever that weird whiskey was. Uh, oh, but but <laughs> when I looked at the menu, that whiskey's called Weller, and it says Well Drink. So I rang in four of those, and they're on well, happy hour, so they're 50% off. So we got a pint of barrel-aged darkness and a two-and-a-half-ounce pour of Weller 12-year, and the total per person was $7. That's, yeah, that's why I was mad at Tony that one time. Just wanted it's to the fucking best. <laughs> it's one of your 60 ounces of bourbon county for like five bucks. I was in Houston with Romantica. <laughs> Romantica? There it is. Years ago. And uh, we went to brunch. We, we went to go get, get a brunch after or get some lunch. And the guy's like, you got to go to this place. How do you, what's the, how do you pronounce it? O-A-X-C-A-O. Waka. Thank you. Jesus. Yeah, I feel stupid, but it was it was it was the name of the restaurant in a in a Hilton hotel. And Can I just real quick time out? I was I was actually. I was in supposed to be on a flight to Oaxaca today for a mezcal and Malay festival, oh, and everything got canceled thanks I to don't COVID. Feel bad for you because I'm just going to go ahead and say I'm real mad right now. So anyway, okay, <laughs> so tell me more about Oaxaca. This brush. Is a Hawaka was the name of the restaurant in Houston, Texas. It was in a Hilton, I think, or some kind of fancy hotel. Mm. So we had played this festival at some other place, and the guys had got to go to this place, get brunch. I was like, okay, fine. It's a hotel brunch. And they had, it was a fucking 40 foot conga line of the most amazing food in the entire, <sighs> like lamb chops and these salads that I couldn't pronounce. Basically, it was an entire, <laughs> it was an entire buffet, as long as you could imagine, of everything that's ever been on Charles. Facebook or Instagram page of food that he's made for his friends. It was like no, it was like it's this piece of meat seared in this, topped with like four pieces of that, and jibba, 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 jibba. but the whole, the whole they had they had uh, translation cake on the fucking buffet, and I'm sitting at the bar. We just eat the most amazing food. I look up and I see uh, there's a pappy's behind the bar. I've never still it's the only time I've ever seen a bottle of fucking pappy's at a bar. Pappies or what's is it? What yeah, Pappy Van Winkle, just yeah, staring in the face. Oh, old Rip or, or whatever. Or yeah. like, oh my God! Like, oh, that doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, Even Old it, Rip is something to find. Do you want a sample? A sample. What? Yeah. I already know what it is. It's the size of a pour I'm usually. Freaking the fuck <laughs> yeah. out. Exactly. Yeah. You like, want a sample? Yeah, it's ninety dollars. They had two different vintages. He's like, you want a sample? I'm like, huh? So I had like you know a sample of each, and then I just like I'll have a shot of each, you know, because. I'm not an asshole again. Like, just sitting at a fucking, it's like 12 o'clock on a Sunday, and just had the most amazing food that I've ever shoved in my mouth. Again, I just ate Charles' Instagram page of food <laughs> <laughs> for brunch. Like, oh, here's, you know, chimichurri glazed, shabba dabba 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 da. And then, and then all this fucking beautiful liquor. Just like, and he just left the bottle sitting in front of me at the rail. Like, yeah, you know, he's did yeah. this really happen? This sounds like the opening this scene from Spirited Away. And then I died in a plane crash. <laughs> yes. No, this really happened. That happened January of... Uh, That's beautiful. 18. January of 18. That is a beautiful thing. An hour later, I was sitting at a, outside of a bar drinking Pearl, $2 cans of Pearl beer outside of a record store bar. 
Penance. Trying to catch a light rail. That's penance. Trying to weigh it out. Facts. 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 I think we have to kind of rail it back in and and say, hey, this is amazing. Obviously, we have definitely agreed that we need to have Tony on for a a second episode. Oh, yeah, man. We didn't even, you know, that was all Tony on that last clip, too. I mean, all I was going to say. Sorry. Literally, all I would say is the three smokes. That's kind of my thing. In the spring, in the springtime. The three smokes. Do you know the three smokes, Quam? I do not know what you're talking that's about. That's where I feel my, my favorite environment is bonfire, grill, cigar. Love it. When my beard smells like the three smokes, that's where I'm most at home. That's beautiful. <laughs> oh, shit. Hold on. Put the mic in front of your face. I was kind of talking to you. But, uh, <laughs> uh, Craig Rebel, Ryan O'Rourke are working on a serious cigar club situation. And... Um, we want to have some, some pre-open, because I'm going to start open at 3 o'clock. Yeah. We have some yep. 1 o'clock cigar club events. With, oh, I yeah. love where this is headed. Give me a shout, man. It's, all, Same. it's right up my alley. I don't even need to consult. I would just like to come play. But I want to have people that care about that stuff. Coming yes, Tony, sir. by the time people listen to this episode, you'll already be open for business. Right. Yes. Uh, how do people find you? Instagram, Facebook, any of that shit? Uh, Palmer's. Well, palmersbar.net is our, our website. Facebook slash Palmers. Uh, I don't even know the rest of my things. I mean, MPL Palmers on Twitter. Um, I am St. Paul, S A I N T P A. At Palmers Bar on Instagram. At Palmers Bar. Mm-hmm. Um, at Minneapolis. In, at MPLS Palmers on Twitter because whoever set up the original Twitter account for the bar is long gone. Vanished. So, unfortunately, I don't have Palmers Bar, even though it's ours. But I'm I am a Saint Paul on Instagram S A I N T P A U L, love it. For sale, by the way. Palmers um, ain't hard to find. Not mm. hard to find. Palmers if you're looking for it. We're uh, we're opening. By the time here, this will have been open. I'm scared as shit. I'm excited. My staff is scared as shit. We're excited. When the, yeah, when this is live, you will be open. Which and we're gonna pack this shit up, man. Uh, already working on trying to come in here and bring you some live music. <laughs> I I. Uh, I want the first time that I play guitar on stage since I was in college to be here at Palmer's. I love that. And I have a patio outside. So oh, my wife has performed here. So yeah, absolutely. Right. Uh, just want to thank everybody again for listening. We love you. Hit us up on all of the social medias. Libations for Everybody is obviously the podcast. Please, please, Everyone. please hit subscribe. Click us a review. I love the fact that we're like actually getting more reviews. It's, it's great because all that does is help more people see it. And the more people that we can talk to, the bigger we can grow this. Do you have so, any sponsors you need to throw out? I mean, Palmer's Bar and apparently Blackberry Brandy. Yeah, Palmer's will be your first Loaded. official sponsor. Boom. Let's give you some sponsors. Shout out, shout out Lifestar sponsors, Palmer's Bar and Blackberry Brandy. Let's go. Fuck it. Yeah, we're doing another. Yeah, let's we're do gonna, one more shot. We're going to finish the bottle. I told you we'd finish Yeah, it. we're going to finish this goddamn we're bottle. Uh, to everybody out there, thank you for listening. Thank you for hanging out. And go get a goddamn Ice cold hams at Palmer's and marvel at how fucking beautiful this bar is. Yes. Thank you for listening to Charles and Ben talk about nonsense with their friends. Because <laughs> what a dream job that would be. Right, yeah. We love you to death. And uh, to Barack Obama, we'll see you soon, my man. Oh, oh, Obi. We'll see you in Moniapolis. These libations are for everyone. Yes, yeah,